Some of the ethnicities represented in a new Pan-Asian feature film include Chinese, Indian, Maori Chinese, Iranian, Japanese, Korean, Malaysian and Tamil Elam. RNZ is proud to be hosting and launching the digital premiere of the film Kayanga. It features eight short stories, all written and directed by women. I had a conversation with Kayanga producer Shuchi Kotari, writer and director Maylin Tapuya Hansen, actor Catelyn Wong and writer-director Ghazali Gobash. I started with asking Shuchi Kotari why it's pan-Asian and not just Asian. I think that's an interesting one because pan-Asian um, is not a very commonly used term. But it has a lot of cachet um, for a lot of us in New Zealand because we are small. And uh, um, if we just go by hard demographics, then, of course, um, Chinese New Zealanders and Indian New Zealanders are the largest um, group of Asians. But if we refer to that as Asian and not the rest, then we're kind of doing the same kind of violence to other Asians as is done to us. So... Pan-Asian is an important um, political idea for us, but it's also an important cultural idea for us. And when Kerry and Kyle um, approached me to join them um, in the production of um, Kainga, which um, is at the back of their two brilliant uh, films, Waru and Why, it made sense for it to be Pan-Asian because we were talking about a sweep of Asian experiences of making home in New Zealand. Aside from covering all the groups, there's also this intertwining crossover. The, you know, the stories aren't separate. And the title of the film itself is called Kaying Us, which sort of gives it away. I'll throw to you, Maylin, because yours is the first story in the film, and that's based on your family story, isn't it? Mm, yeah, so it's the story of my grandparents, um, my Māori grandmother, who was from Waikato, um, Taranaki and, and Whanganui, and my Gonggong, who um, was from Guangdong. So um, it's about the family they made <laughs> when um, they arrived, well, when they met each other and when my Gong migrated here. Mm. Mm. And I suppose because, I mean, we're, we're all products of immigrant parents here, or if not immigrants ourselves. So we've all grown up in these mash-up families, if you will. So mm. the concept of home has always been more than just one place or one family. Do you feel that? Oh, yeah, I, I do. And I, I feel it, I think, more for my grandparents and my parents, I guess, than for myself. But, you know, I, I often say, like, inside me, I have the, the coloniser, the indigenous and the settler (laughs) and I have lived with that like my whole life like trying to be at home but but feeling unsettled because of all these different kind of tensions and understandings about place that are inside me and Mm. I feel like um, that was also something that my grandparents experienced and and my mum's generation as well yeah, so um, I don't know if that answers the question. Yeah, probably. yeah, it does. It's <laughs> it's well come, trying to come not come to terms necessarily, but figure out which part of you is mm. relevant when I, I suppose yeah. that could be a yeah, way of putting think, it. Yeah, that's right. And I think that the thing about Kainga, this film as a whole, it's about those kind of stories. People kind of um, looking at their 
relationships with this place, with Aotearoa as a home, and how it can, I don't know, like scar you, how it can support you, how it can feed you and nourish you, but also take so much from you. Um, I think mm. that's the beauty of all the lineup of these stories in the film. Ghazala, your story is about an Iranian family. Do you think people would be surprised to see Iran being included in a pan-Asian context? Um, yeah, definitely. I, <laughs> um, it's interesting because I've had discussions like this with Shuchi. Um, people find it surprising when you think, again, Asian, there are misconceptions or, or um, preconceived, I guess, ideas about what that is. And I think um, what I love about the Pan-Asian Screen Collective is that it is a bit more inclusive and it kind of makes you think about um, areas that you might not have thought about before. And I think in New Zealand in particular, um, coming from a minority that is also within a minority in itself is interesting. Um, we are a small group. Um, I think there are only about a recorded number of Iranians a few years ago was only about 3,000. I'm sure that's definitely a lot higher now, but it is a very small group in mm. uh, comparison. Um, and so, yes, when you're making work about uh, a small group of people, there can be issues with that. Um, you know, people think maybe you're representing everyone because it is a small group. But as we all know, that comes with a burden um, in that you are not representing a huge group. In fact, you might not even be representing more than yourself sometimes. Mm. Um, but I, you know, that's all I kind of know and that's my passion at the moment and what I um, what I like exploring, um, particularly as someone who grew up here, exploring aspects of, of uh, a culture that I know through my parents, through my family, but not necessarily have lived in um, has always been interesting to me. Mm. Your story is about an Iranian family where the wife doesn't like being in New Zealand and she's actually re longing to return home because, you know, she can't fully be herself in New Zealand. She can't work in her usual uh, vocation, her usual job. And, Malin, you mentioned before about how New Zealand can also scar you. And I guess, Ghazali, do you reckon that for many people, New Zealand is like paradise, but do we sometimes forget that it's quite complicated for migrants in particular, for some people? Absolutely. I think there was quite a few of us, um, if not all of us, that agree we didn't want to necessarily convey the, you know, the, the, the in quotation marks, grateful immigrant trope, mm. um, which we've seen a lot of. And it's not necessarily untrue in, in, in some forms, but I think we wanted to get a bit more complex and a bit more nuanced about uh, what it can mean to be an immigrant. Uh, my story in particular was very loosely based on my parents, in particular my mum. When we first kind of moved here, it was meant to be temporary um, because you know they left due, due to a war and a regime change in Iran. But over the years, um, my mother in particular thought she'd return. She didn't want to get her citizenship, for example, because she was worried she could never return. Mm. But then obviously as, as the situation unfolded and they realised it was going to keep going and, and they settled more and more into um, their life here, that obviously changed and now it's been 30-something years. Mm. Um, and I think that's kind of what I want to explore, this idea of a place that has welcomed you but um, you might not necessarily fit in or feel at home as of yet. And some people don't. And I've had friends and family who have moved here. They they found it really tough and they ended up moving elsewhere or, or even back to Iran, actually. 
And I suppose it's like anything in life, it's not just linear, is it? There's lot, you can feel lots of different things at different times depending on what's exactly. happening. It's not, it's not exactly. this simple sort of uphill trajectory. or it's, yeah, it's complex and it's complicated. Kat, I want to come to you because as an actor, as a Chinese Kiwi actor, how do you think the attitude towards Asian characters on screen has changed over the years? Has it changed? It's like in some ways it has and in a lot of ways it hasn't. Like I think... The briefs that we used to get back in the 2004 um, was very narrow. And so I think already it would kind of distance, like, for example, slim, sexy accent. So so already mm. when, you know, I read the briefs, I would already distance myself from the role. It was like as if I already took myself out of the running for it. So kind of only in retrospect, I think I realised um the effect it kind of has on, well, on my own well-being and my mentality, you know, to keep having to kind of play roles that are written by the, like, a white narrative or that hasn't been fleshed out. Mm. Um, only actually in the past few years has the the briefs have changed and it's they haven't specified necessarily culture. It's just been about the character and there's been less, like, description about the physical appearance and I think especially for women it's been really empowering and that's definitely been the movement um you know from yeah the me too and then yeah I I guess I I wanted to say because there's been such a push for diversity in Hollywood and often it starts in Hollywood and it sort of ripples out around the world do you think that's made the difference yeah I, I noticed like there would be a lot more casting as in like they'd try to fit the the one Asian person or a, a diff, of, of another ethnicity into into a script, into like a, a story, like one person or two people. And then and then suddenly it, it shifted a lot. <laughs> Maximum two people. Yeah, but and then, um, two, two people under duress though, right? Yeah. It's like yeah. one, 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 and then two people under the duet. Yeah. So by I, the time you do three, Kalina, it's, a, it's an Asian show, shoot yeah, you. you know. And I mean, I mean, that even that effect being on set is very lonely. Like everyone around you is is of the same kind of culture and often male dominated. It, it felt very isolating, and it's like the more I was in the industry, it was like the harder it became because it kind of I felt like something was wrong with me because like I couldn't. It was like as if I couldn't connect or I didn't belong. Mm. And so it was only until, you know, in the recent, I don't know, I don't know how long Suchi, like the years, five, five years. Or so. Well, I was actually lucky Suchi was around you know, early on in my career. So I did have some <laughs> glimpses of, glimpses of you know, gems to work with. Yeah. But, yeah, definitely only in the recent years when more of the writers have become, like we've kind of looked at more diversity and, more voices especially female voices and the sets have changed a lot like the the crew have been become like 50 percent or even more like the last six jobs I, I was just looking back at they've been 50 percent about like women and mm. that that shifts a lot because then people need to be accountable for kind of what they say in the past I couldn't say stuff like um I couldn't say oh that feels uncomfortable that that's a bit that's a bit racist but now if I say something there is there is a lot of support. There's like, yeah, we probably don't need to be saying that yeah. to Kat. Yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, yeah. Well yeah. there's 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 more of you so it feels you feel more supported. Yeah. And it does and it does change the vibe on set, doesn't it? It does, yeah. And I, I've realized like, you know, my nervous system had to like um I had to go through a lot of 
healing in order to be able to be be present. Like it wasn't always, it wasn't always on me. Mm. You know, it wasn't like, it was like, it wasn't just my problem. Like mm. I realized now there's been such a culture shift. I was like, oh, people are realizing actually maybe the other side was, um, the things that they used to say or the things they used to do was maybe inappropriate and it was actually really deeply affecting you know people like me who 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 are are a minority but there wouldn't have been it's easy to say now isn't it because at the time if it's just you you're not really going to there's a sort of idea that you're not going to kick up a fuss or you don't want to seem ungrateful that you have the job there's all those elements to it I know it was like it's it's also being from a culture who doesn't talk a lot, mm. actually. Um, it's very hard to voice my opinion. And also the louder people are the ones who were listened to. So <laughs> I'm not necessarily someone who would speak, interrupt. And, uh, yeah, I think as I've gotten older, I've become better at, you know, speaking up. But mm. back then it was definitely, you would not, I would not even mention anything because I would just know that there's, everyone would say I'm sensitive or that's my problem. You're listening to Culture 101 on RNZ National. If you're just joining us, I'm speaking to the producers, writers, directors and actors behind the feature film Kainga, which has launched on RNZ. Shuchi, I want to come back to you. And, you know, why are these why are these stories important to tell? Why do you need to tell them? And what would it look like if you didn't tell them? I think even whether I speak personally about this answer or more broadly, Paulina, I think, you know, our stories are a testimony to our existence. The stories we tell means that we were there. We lived because we told the stories um, about our lives. So at some fundamental level, if you have people and a population around you that never gets to tell its stories, um, they really don't exist. Um, they don't exist for the future. Uh, I remember moving to New Zealand in 97 and going straight to the film archives to see what I could see um, about Indians in New Zealand who had lived um, since the 40s and uh, um, uh, significantly since the 40s, of course, even before that. And I found two short films by Mandrika Rupa, and that's it. So it renders you invisible, but then by extension non-existent. So it's dangerous. It's dangerous for any culture to elide its own stories. And the other thing is just um, this idea that, you know, we, we are evolving as peoples and we're evolving as cultures and cultures is intersectional. So my story is not important just because it's my story. It's just as important for me to listen to somebody else's story. Um, so I think that's really important. And it's also a way for um, uh, dispelling, you know, um, stereotypes and the kind of ignorance with which we live when we don't interact with uh, a group that's larger than immediately our own. So I think... Telling stories, you know, diverse stories is very important. It's extremely important. But going back to what, you know, Kat was saying, that I I really rejoice at the changes that have taken place, and we've all been fighting for these changes for a long time. But they, I'm also leery of the um, pace. You know, it seems things are moving at a slow pace, and mm. they're always precarious. So you take the foot off the pedal and you go back in time. The very fact that we had 
such a long gap between, you know, thousand apologies, Kat, in which, you know, as you know, you were just fabulous, to Friday Night Bites for seven years. You know, for seven years, we didn't have an Asian-made um, show on New Zealand television. I think that's wrong. Mm. Um, so I, I do, you know, I do celebrate the, the shifts that are taking place, but they're not, um, they're not structural enough for me. They're not fundamental. And and for those stories to penetrate, we need to change the story of power. We need to change the stories of, you know, who's sitting at the board of organizations and who's funding people. And, you know, at all levels that we see a, a diversity, not just Asian, but a true diversity. Well, this sort of leads me to my next question, because when you're making these films and stories, and I'll I'll get each of you to add your thoughts to this to this answer. When you're making these films and stories, is it by the community for the community, or is there hope or aim to reach you know the mainstream, if you will, or is that an added bonus? Shuchi, do you want to start? I'm going to kick off with the simplest answer, and then I'm very keen to hear what everybody else is saying. I think it's all of double. I don't. I think there are stories that are just for the community. It's an internal little wink that we need to do, and then there are stories that have different meanings to both. It works for people who are not from the community, but also it works differently if you are. And then, um, you know, you hope um, at some point for things to um, break all boundaries and borders. But if Crazy Rich Asians is the only way you can do that, then there better be other stories that don't want to be Crazy Rich Asians. So my answer would be that all have to exist and coexist. What about you, Maylin? Yeah, I love the, I love this question because I, um, you know, I, I think hard about um, the stories I'm telling for people like me, and I, th- I think they are, you know, people of mixed heritage, particularly Maori Chinese, I think they're to show our lives, to give them validation, to share our voices and our experiences. But then I also go, I want, <laughs> I want other New Zealanders at least to know how my ancestors made this place the place it is. Mm. Like we all contributed to Aotearoa and all of us, all our lives. And yeah, I want others to see this and understand it. Um, So yeah, a lot of the time this, the way I write my stories are actually not particularly for my community. They're for others to kind (laughs) of... Yeah, Witness. understand us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and oh, one other thing we talked about a lot when we were um, putting Kainga together was this burden of representation, because a lot of uh, a lot of us were, of course, you know, the first time that this these particular voices were being um, expressed on screen, mm. and we were. Um, you know, suffering from imposter syndrome and worrying about, is this the story I want to tell? And Am um, I the right person to that, tell it? That yeah, sort of that thing. is right, mm. yeah. And so that was a big, uh, that's a big thing for us um, as a group, I think. Well, you mentioned yeah. you mentioned that before, Ghazala, you sort of said, you know, I, I, you're coming to terms with maybe you're just representing yourself, if no one else, and that's okay. How do you feel when you're writing? Who is it for? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I sometimes feel like that typical selfish writer-director where I'm like, I don't care who my audience is, but that's <laughs> probably not true, um, <laughs> even if I think that's <laughs> that the way when I'm writing it. But I think the more, I, the more I've looked at that, it's more the case of it, I write people who are interesting to me um, and I hope that that then uh, translates to being interesting for other people. It's you know I, I found that the more specific you are, the more universal it can be. Uh, and so for me, first and foremost, it's it's stories um, that I am uh, passionate about, and and at the moment it tends to be people from um, similar backgrounds to myself. Um, and and I and I think it, it can be you know it can be universal as long as the the story you're telling is something that um, is of interest. I also kind of wanted to come back to what. Um, I think um, Kat touched on and Shuchi was talking about with diversity. I I think part of what makes Kainga amazing is that it's also it's not just diversity. There's there's a difference between that and representation. And I think Kainga is a perfect example of of what it truly means to be um, to to use representation as as a means to tell stories. And by that I mean in the roles, you know, what Shuchi was saying, the people who are funding, for example, but in the roles of like the producers. You had Shuchi, Kyle, Kerry. Mm. Um, the directors, the writers, everyone was representing, uh, you know, them, themselves and their backgrounds. But I think that's what makes a difference between box ticking of, oh, we need that one um, quotation mark Asian friend as opposed to, oh, this is a story about this woman who happens to be from this background and then so on and so on. And I think that's what's going to really help us bring change is putting people in those positions to tell these stories, if not also to, to help fund them, as opposed to just you know, thinking that this is what audiences want. Mm. And what about you, Kat? Do you feel that this applies to you? Do you think about who the audience is and your performances? Yeah, I used to. I used to think that it was important to be in everything and just to show my face and then that would be enough. But I think I realise that's like a disservice to myself and I, I don't feel like that was truly representing much. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think now I just follow my instinct and look at the script. And if it's meaningful to me, then I I feel like I'm able to grow as an actor, but also contribute a lot more value because it's it resonates with me. But yeah. like even the story of um, the one that I was in in Kainga Eva, I I actually originally thought it was quite a universal story of a mother and a, a baby in the height of her struggle, having a conflict with the neighbour, but kind of there's elements of that like with internal racism mm. like um feeling like being a kiwi chinese or a malaysian feeling kind of superior than new immigrants that i was really fascinated by and actually was something that i i also knew and experienced so i mean that's what drew me to that script mm. yeah i know what you mean as well the the idea of like oh but i'm here aren't i and that's enough but I think something I've also realised in the last probably four or five years is I like, I'd like to think we're more similar than we are different. So when, you know, when you're thinking of storylines or doing a character, I sort of think, well, if I can relate to this or I find this funny or moving, surely other people will too. I don't know if that's relevant, but it makes me feel a bit better. <laughs> Mm. Um, but, yeah. but, you know, that's the thing, Selena, though, that you believe that, right? Gad mm. believes that, Kat believes that. Mm. But sometimes it's harder for um, broadcast commissioners to see that, that actually what they see as difference is actually similarity. Mm. That the risk they feel of show takes, so it's just too risky because it may not reach mainstream 
New Zealand. And I say, actually, it will reach mainstream New Zealand if the connection is about the emotion of what's at stake in the story, whether it's funny or dramatic or whatever. Mm. Um, people forget sometimes the race of the person that they're watching if they've connected with what the story is about. It doesn't have to be, quote-unquote, identity politics. But I think there is a fear when they see a bunch of, you know, um, Asians in the story or a bunch of minority characters leading a story, there's always a fear that somehow it will not connect with a broader audience. That's Shushi Katari, uh, one of the creators behind Kayanga, a writer and director. She was joined with Maylin Tupuya Hansen, the actor, uh, Catelyn Wong, and the writer-director Gasale Golbash. They're all part of those creations of Kayanga, which you can now stream on rnz.co.nz.